You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Lucas Smith. I'm the St. Louis Cardinals mega fan, and I am your host for the show. Today is Tuesday, November the 17th. Thanks for tuning in today. Whenever you tune in, I always appreciate it. Numbers looking good even for the offseason, so I appreciate uh, all the, the listeners and the interactions on, on Twitter and Facebook, or not Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and all these things. So uh, much appreciated. So keep that up uh, throughout the offseason. Let me know what kind of content you guys want as, as, as well as we kind of get into this. You know, the, the, the dog days of November, as I like to call them. Um, lock, you know, you can email the show LockedOnCards at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter, uh, at LJFastball, on the show's Twitter, Instagram, which you guys probably know, but can't hurt to tell you more, guys more, at LO underscore Cardinals. Uh, you can also leave a review on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, and, and rate the show, and subscribe to it, whatever you're listening, but feel free to, to rate it on iTunes and tell your friends about it as well, so today on the show for Tuesday, we'll be talking about the MLB Hall of Fame ballot, um, 2021. If you want a deeper conversation on it, a longer conversation, I joined um, Locked On MLB podcast a couple weeks ago. It was actually the Tuesday, November the 3rd. It was election day uh, that we, Sully and I talked about this. So head over to Locked On MLB podcast on the, November the 3rd for conversations on that, a deeper conversation, but the 2021 Hall of Fame ballot was released and it, it it's it's underwhelming, I think, to say the least. Um, when when you look at who's on there, a lot of really solid, solid hall you know all star players that had really good careers, uh, but you know not quite at the Hall of Fame cusp. Uh, but I'll give you my my uh, my, my ballot and, and who I give the vote to um, in terms of who's on the ballot this year. But first, I want to talk about, you know, kind of highlight a couple different players yesterday. Tomorrow, I'm planning on highlighting DJ LeMahieu. And while it's probably unrealistic that the Cardinals sign him, it's always fun to think about and dream. Um, so t- stay tuned for that. But today, I want to talk about someone that, that's a little bit more realistic, and that is Michael Brantley. He is a free agent to be. He is uh, going to be going into his age 34 season, so a little bit on the upside in age but the production has never wavered really for Brantley except for one injury-riddled year uh, in, in his 12-year career. One, one down year early in his career, he was 24 years old, but for the most part really stayed consistent and stayed solid for the entirety of his major league career. And I think that this is a guy that the Cardinals can go after whether the DH stays in the National League or not because, you know, the that while the DH is, is rumored to be staying and, you know, the chances are that it stays, it's not a guarantee. Maybe, you know, the owners and whoever votes on that decide to not go for that. Um, but but who knows? Because, um, but, but regardless, as I get, get back on track here after a little bit of a brain fart, regardless whether he, he he's a DH option or an outfield option, he's somebody the Cardinals can go after. He played 46 of the 60 games last year, this past year for Houston, played 140-plus his previous two years. You know, Other than 2016 and 2017, this guy has been laser consistent. 148 games plus through, you know, for three years, 2014 to 12 to 14, 137 games in 2015 when he led the league in doubles with 45, 
uh, four-time All-Star, Silver Slugger Award 2014. This guy is just a pure hitter. You know, he'll hit anywhere from 10 to 20 home runs a year, career-high 22 in 2019, career 297 hitter, so the average is up, the on-base percentage is above 350, slugging percentage in the high 400s, OPS plus, always above the average of 100, um, you know, from 2012 to 2020, excluding the injury ruled 2016. So this guy has hit, really, for the most part, as about as consistent as you can at the major league level. Yes, one down year in 16 when he only played in 11 games due to some injury, but he bounced back in 2017, had an all-star campaign in 90 games for the Cleveland Indians. So this this is a guy that has stayed remote, you know, mostly healthy for his career. And when you look at the Cardinals' left fielders, it it, it gets pretty glim uh, because you have 58 total games in left field. Austin Dean played two. Edmund played seven. Ravello played one. Car- Carlson played eight. But Tyler O'Neill is the main guy that played left field for St. Louis. He played 48 of the 58 games uh, for, for the Redbird, or 40, 45 different appearances in left field. And when you compare the two, it, it's really it, it's not even close. When you look at their, their 2020s, 2020 is alone in Tyler O'Neill's 825 season. He, you know, it, it's well documented. He slashed 173, 261, 360, OPS of 621, OPS plus of 68, 19 runs driven in. He did have some power, seven home runs. That's one area where Brantley did not beat him in is the home runs. But Brantley slashed 300, 364, 476, OPS of 840, 15 doubles, five home runs, 22 runs driven in, walked 17 times, only struck out 28, whereas O'Neill struck out 43 times. Michael Brantley is an extremely hard person to strike out. He has a very low strikeout rate for his career. He is he is a guy that you know, like I said, he's just a pure hitter. You know, I don't I don't, I don't like the term professional hitter because everybody at the major league level is a professional hitter, but he is a pure pole to pole hitter in Michael Brantley. And really, what what you're getting with Brantley. Is, is more than just the production, more than just the stats that have been extremely consistent throughout his entire career. You're getting veteran leadership. This is a guy that has been to a World Series in 2019 with Houston. He, he has been on some very good Cleveland Indian teams in the past. He, he's been on deep playoff teams. He's had personal success, but he's also had some personal troubles with, with injuries and, and stuff like that. So you're getting a veteran leader that can really lead these young outfielders as they start to blossom. So when you look at what the Cardinals are going to go after, it has to go beyond the stats, in my opinion. You can't, you know, you got to look at who's a good fit for St. Louis, and I think Brantley fits St. Louis extremely well. You know, from the veteran leadership that he brings to the consistent production he brings in year in and year out, Michael Brantley would look really good with the birds on the bat, and I really think the Cardinals should go after him this year because he's a cost-effective solution to a problem in the outfield. Michael Brantley is definitely a piece the Cardinals should go after in 2021. Because, I mean, he would just be a a welcome addition. Yes, I get the age is a bit of a scary factor, but this is a guy that has shown little to no signs of regression in the last two, three years. Uh, Especially in 2018 and 2019. You know, he played more games in 19 than he did 18. Uh, His numbers were better, you know, overall in 19, just ever so slightly. Uh, more home runs, more RBIs. His saber metrics were favorable to him just a little bit more. So, I think Brantley's definitely an option for the Cardinals in the in the off season. And you know, he, he would probably break the bank a little bit more than, than say a Jock Peterson would. But uh, Michael Brantley would just be a, a really good fit, in my opinion, for St. Louis. So, uh, that, that's my player highlight of the day. Once again, be sure to tune back in tomorrow when I highlight DJ LeMahieu.
albeit unlikely that he ends up in St. Louis. You never know. Um, so be sure to tune back in for that tomorrow. But uh, in just a minute, I'll be concluding my show today with, with the look at the 2021 Hall of Fame ballot and uh, why I think that it's kind of a weak ballot overall. So stay tuned for that coming up in just a moment. So the 2021 Hall of Fame ballot um, is full of, like I said in the open, full of guys that are not quite Hall of Fame in my opinion, but had really solid careers. You look at guys like Michael Kadire, Ramos Ramirez, Nick Swisher, Barry Zito had, you know, at the height of his career, was really good. Mark Burley, uh, AJ Burnett, time with, with both the, the the Phillies and the Marlins and the Pirates, uh, Tim Hudson, Torrey Hunter, all these guys, like I said, are just not quite there, in my opinion. I don't think any first ballot Hall of Famers get in at all. I think that there's a really there's a really good chance that nobody gets in this year for St. Louis. Um, or, excuse me, not for St. Louis, for, in the Hall of Fame. Um, but if there's one guy, and as much as I hate to say it because I don't like him personally, but Kurt Schilling, um, this will be his his 2000 or his tenth year, ninth or tenth year in the ballot rather, and he, he received 70 percent of the vote last year. Um, you require 75 to get in. I, th- I still think Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, even with a, a somewhat weaker 2021 ballot, I think that, you know, 15% is a lot to make up in one year. But 5% is well within the range of, of Schilling, especially a guy who's been on the ballot nine years. Um, so I just think that, and, and, you know, like I said, not to, you know, bash the careers of any of these guys that I talked about of the first ballot, or even other than the first ballot. You have guys like Manny Ramirez, Kurt, or uh, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, you know, with the exception of Sosa, who had, you know, historical career when you look at his numbers, when you take out the steroid part of it. Um, all these guys had ex- exceptional careers. And there's there's a big, you know, there's a big difference between Hall of Fame and, and crap, you know, that there are these guys that have exceptional careers that just aren't quite there. They're beloved by their teammates. They're beloved by the fans. They're beloved by, by the, the cities that they play in, by the franchises that they play for. But they're just not quite there. You know, it, it doesn't apply to every situation, but I think for the most part, it's something my grandfather used to always or always says, um, when, when you're looking at the Hall of Fame, you're looking at the best of the best, the elite of the elite. You know, the Hall of Fame isn't for the, the, the so-sos or the really goods. It's for the best of the best. So if you have to think about it at all, the chance that then you to lean more towards no. If you have to put too much thought in, if you have to really dig deep to try and find a reasoning for someone to get to the Hall, the reasoning is probably going to be no. You know, that might be a little bit old-timer, and uh, you, have to, you have to look at the more years spent on the ballot, the higher your chances go up and everything like that, but... You know, it also depends on who's on your ballot. If you want to, if you want to use your ten votes when you're looking at the, you know, BBWA or the Writers Association voting. But I just think that a lot of these guys, if you are going to make a case, you got to really, really dig deep. Um, and I just think for Kurt Schilling, you don't have to dig as deep. And I, I, I really sadly think that Kurt Schilling will get in this year. Uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's got, he's got really solid hall of fame caliber numbers. Um, and you know, this might be the year, you know, he, he's, um, he's got the highest strikeout to walk rate of any pitcher with 3000 innings, really good October legacy. Um, but I really think that, 
you know, like, like I said, this will not be a year for first timers. And it, it'll be interesting to see how much increase guys like Bonds and Clemens get. Like I said, they're about 60, 61% each. So they would need 14% increase to get into the hall. And I just don't see the writers voting them in this year. There's just way too much question marks about the steroids. And especially with Bonds, what, what, what pains me so much about Bonds and Clemens too, but Bonds especially, is that these guys were Hall of Fame caliber before they started juicing up. Barry Bonds was an exceptional player in Pittsburgh. Roger Clemens came up on fire. They had exceptional careers and felt the need, you know, like everybody, you know, they say everybody was doing it back in the day, but they felt the need to enhance their game, you know, at an illegal rate, illegal level. And it's just so unfortunate to see this happen to, to two people that had, you know, baseball is an extremely difficult game. And you have this gift and you feel the need to enhance it because of the pressures that, that the game brings. And then it just ruins your Hall of Fame career, your Hall of Fame status. It's just really, it's unfortunate to see. So, you know, there's a chance that three get in, but I think this this is the year for, for, for Kurt Schilling. And I think this will be his first, or he'll, he'll be the only inductee in 2021. Because in all honesty, you know, with my bias, I put in Scott Rowland. Uh, but I, I don't actually think Rowland's an MV, or Rowland is a, is a Hall of Fame caliber guy. I think he'll increase his vote totals for sure. Scott Rowland, you know, 32% uh, votes uh, last ballot. But, you know, he's probably one of the better Cardinals ever to not be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he, his career B-war of 70.1 is ninth best among third basemen all time. So Scott Rowland is a perfect example of one of those guys that had an exceptional career for a couple different teams, Great with the glove, great with the bat, and, you know, one of these guys that has great October moments, has great moments in his career, but he's just not quite there. No disrespect to Scott Rowland. No disrespect to him as a person or his career. He had a remarkable career. His time with St. Louis will always be remembered for his October heroics and his exceptional work with the glove. But I just don't think he's quite at the Cooperstown level of production for his career, especially when you look at the incredible production of third baseman in the history of the base, uh, history of the game. So I, I really think that this is the year for Kurt Schilling. And if I'm voting, I don't I don't put a vote down to anybody else for my personal uh, beliefs in the voting system. But I and I also don't think anybody else gets in this year. I don't think Bonds and Clemens make a big enough jump, and I I don't see anybody making a twenty percent jump to get in. So I think Kurt Schilling will be your only inductee um, in twenty twenty one. Um, he will have to share the stage with Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, and, and Derek Jeter as other players to be inducted because of the delay of ceremonies. But Kurt Schilling, I think, will be the only 2021 Hall of Fame inductee. So that's all I got for today's show. Uh, once again, be sure to tune in tomorrow for DJ LeMahieu, um highlighting him and how wonderful it would be <laughs> if the Cardinals were able to, to somehow sign him for a team-friendly contract that didn't break the bank. Will it happen? Probably not, but a guy can dream, and it'll be fun to look at anyway. So uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow. Uh, But until then, until you hear from me again, stay safe, stay well, and have a great day.